Welcome to the Wonders of the Year podcast, your weekly nature brief guiding you through the changing seasons. Every week you can expect an interesting up-to-date report of what's going on in the environment. In addition, you'll find coverage of various topics of related interest, sometimes a deep dive into a specific topic, a touch of history or lore, even recipes and holiday ideas when it fits. Stick around for a fresh perspective. Hello, I'm your host, Brooke Rushing. In today's episode, we'll set the tone for our current month, exploring how its disposition is shaped by the jet stream, an introduction to its major event, the spring equinox, and a segment on the different types of spring, and finally, several of the earliest observable changes in our environment. The arrival of the red-winged blackbird, first blooms, and super blooms, plus more. Stay tuned for a journey filled with insights, surprises, and as always, a little bit of fun. Let's dive in. Today marks March 4th, 2024, ushering in the first full week of March. We're in the home stretch of winter, navigating through its final month. Interestingly, this is the 74th day out of winter's 89-day journey. March is a month famed for its erratic weather. It's a true embodiment of the chaotic beauty of change. It brings the most diverse array of extreme conditions. Cold winds, wet snow, sleet. It's a time for wearing your rain boots and your woolies. And for those hopeful moments when we risk all warmth to soak up bits of elusive sunshine. This month encapsulates the transition from stormy and brisk season to a milder and more gentle temperament as we near its end. This is captured really well by the old adage, in like a lion, out like a lamb. March presents a gloriously messy and unnecessary transition between seasons, a time when the harshness of winter gradually gives way to the emerging warmth of spring. Naming March as a spring month is overly generous. However, it is an undoubted prelude to rebirth and renewal. While some corners of the Northern Hemisphere are still clasped in winter's cold embrace for weeks to come, others begin to witness the Earth's reawakening. But March is more than just a bridge between seasons. It's marked by the spring equinox, a highlight symbolizing a pivotal point in this transition. It's a time when day and night stand in perfect balance before continuing onward into warmer temperatures and longer days. Let's take a closer look at this change of season and how it works. Since the winter solstice, the year's longest night, daylight has been extending by approximately two minutes each day. This week alone, we're set to gain an additional seven minutes of daylight the rate of increase will rise slightly as we near the spring equinox. This equinox is one of two annual equinox events. It's a pivotal moment in the calendar symbolizing balance. It marks a point where after months of either increasing darkness or light, the world experiences a moment of equilibrium. The term equinox itself is derived from Latin aqueus, meaning equal, and nox meaning night. This year, it arrives early on Wednesday, March 19th, as a result of the leap year. 
Typically, it would arrive between the 20th and 21st. In short, it's a brief period of time where the sun shines directly on the equator, offering an almost equal balance of daylight and night. The daylight times experienced in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere is the same. However, while we in the northern hemisphere experience the beginning of spring, the southern hemisphere is experiencing the beginning of fall. It's said that every season begins twice. The spring equinox represents the commencement of astronomical spring. Astronomical spring is significant not just for its cultural and historical importance, but also for its role in marking the changing seasons in a way that is consistent with the Earth's journey around the sun. This period is a time of warming temperatures, melting snow, and the awakening of flora and fauna from their winter dormancy. It was used as a guide and a calendar by ancient people for survival and for celebration. It sets the stage for the growth that defines spring, offering a universal point of reference for observing the natural world's transition from the barrenness of winter to the vitality of spring. Meteorological spring, on the other hand, is our second spring that actually comes first, March 1st. It represents a different approach to marking the seasons, one based on climatic patterns rather than astronomical events. This classification of spring is designed by meteorologists for practical purposes, focusing on the annual temperature cycle and statistical weather patterns to define the seasons more consistently for forecasting and research. Unlike astronomical spring, which is determined by the Earth's position to the sun and can vary slightly each year, meteorological spring is fixed, making it easier for meteorologists to compare seasonal statistics and trends over time. This method divides the year into four three-month seasons, with spring encompassing March, April, May, summer, June, July, August, and so on. This aligns more closely with our traditional calendar and allows for a more straightforward aggregation of weather data. Meteorological spring is essential for planning in agriculture, industry, and various sectors that rely on predictable weather patterns. By basing the season on temperature norms and historical weather data, meteorologists can provide a more accurate forecast and insights into seasonal changes. This approach acknowledges that the signs of spring, such as thawing snow, budding plants, and warmer temperatures often begin to appear before the astronomical spring equinox. The distinction between meteorological spring and astronomical spring illustrates the complexity of how humans interact with and understand the natural rhythms of the planet. By marking the onset of spring from a meteorological perspective, we can gain a practical tool for navigating the transitions between seasons and an opportunity to celebrate and observe the world with pleasure by observing astronomical spring. Have you ever wondered where March weather came from and why it seems to linger or 
clear sunny skies and warmth suddenly appear. To understand the tumult of March weather, we must understand the jet stream and how the shifting planet shapes it. The science behind the jet stream is fascinating. Existing between 5 and 7 miles in the troposphere, that's the first layer of atmosphere right above Earth, is a band of fast-moving air created by the meeting of cold, dry Arctic air and moist, tropical air fighting to take its place. This dynamic clash not only determines the jet stream's path, but also the weather we experience day to day. This phenomenon results from Earth's uneven heating. The sun's rays hit the equator more directly compared to polar regions, leading to higher temperatures at the equator. Such differential heating causes air masses to develop distinct temperatures. One of the most direct ways we feel its presence is through the wind patterns and weather systems that are, in essence, like the underbelly of this atmospheric giant dragging across the earth. As the flat, tube-like current snakes its way around the planet, it acts like a conveyor belt for weather systems, moving areas of high and low pressure from one region to another. On average, they travel about 110 miles per hour, but in the winter, when the temperature differences are much more dramatic, the jet stream can go much faster, up to 250 miles per hour or more. The sharper these differences, the stronger and faster the jet stream, which means more pronounced effects on our weather. The absence of this high-altitude air current would disrupt the natural balance. Weather systems would move more slowly, potentially resulting in extended periods of drought and maybe relentless rainfall in areas that aren't accustomed to such extremes. It could cause endless summer or <laughs> perpetual winter. The jet stream's role in redistributing heat and moisture around the planet is crucial. And without it, the Earth's weather would lose much of its complexity. Springtime brings a shift in this high-altitude air current causing it to meander and create large loops that can deliver bursts of warmth or lingering cold snaps, depending on where you are. These patterns are essential for meteorologists to understand and predict not just daily weather, but also long-term climate trends. In essence, you might consider the jet stream as a conductor of our weather symphony, uh, directing storms and shaping temperature extremes, and painting the broad strokes of our seasonal experience. Its influence is profound, mobilizing the transition from the cold, quiet winter to the lively and awakening spring. The next time you check your weather, I'm sure you will with that new lens. One of the great joys of spring is the resurgence of birdsong, signaling the return of birds from their southern winter retreats. Notably, robins, song sparrows, and red-winged blackbirds are among the first to herald the season's change. While the robin is the typical spring favorite, the red-winged blackbird is actually one of the earliest migrators, announcing that spring is back. Unlike birds with longer migration routes, the red-winged blackbird spends their winter in the warmer southern states. Think Texas returning north at the first hint of spring. Males are distinguished by their glossy black feathers. 
reddish-orange shoulder patches called epaulets, and a yellow stripe beneath the red. They measure just 7 to maybe 9.5 inches in length, and the females display a less vibrant color with dark brown streaks on a creamy white background. Both live just an average of 2.14 years, but the oldest blackbird ever recorded was 15 years old. But as she matures, she will develop a paler red epaulette and perhaps peach striations on her face and throat. Both sexes have a pretty conical beak and black eyes. Males begin their migration early March to establish their territory that will serve as their future mating grounds. They prefer marshes and occasionally grasslands that will have the right spring and summer diet of beetles, grasshoppers, dragonflies, and spiders. Female birds arrive a month after males and immediately get to work with nest construction. They thoughtfully weave grass into structures anchored to cattails and bulrushes or bushes. It takes her about three to seven days to build a nest, and these nests are intricately made with materials like willow bark, cattail leaves, and other long materials. They measure about two to seven inches across and three to seven inches deep. Now, I think a lot of times we think of, I think of bird nests as like homes for birds, but really birds don't have homes like that, that these are just like incubators. So when you think of a nest, think incubator. Females typically mate with the territory holding male, though mating with neighboring males is also common. They lay three to five pale blue-green eggs, or pale purple eggs, marked with brown or blackish zigzag lines. Incubation takes about 12 days, with fledglings leaving the nest in about 10 to 13. A female may raise one to three broods each season. During the breeding season, males predominantly occupy high perches above their territory, singing vigorously to attract mates and award off rivals. On your brisk nature walks this spring, be aware you could be chased out of a bird's territory if you get too close. But really, what do we expect? Still, there's no shortage of incredible sights to see. There is a budding life all around. Under layers of snow yet to melt, fine, pale blades of almost neon green yellow grass are emerging from the previously frozen winter ground, sunshine happily piercing the snow, allowing photosynthesis and growth. Looking up will reveal trees shaking off their winter sleep, getting ready to grow again. You might begin to spot bulbous formations emerging from the ends of branches, yellow, green, brown-tipped buds promising that full leaving and flowering is just around the corner. Cropping up in unexpected and often forgotten areas are little jewels of first blooms sprouting from perennial bulbs. Cheerful purple and yellow crocus are among the first to open their faces to the sun. Snowdrops bow their white heads. And golden daffodils and tulips of all colors arrive and shine before retreating into dormancy, preparing for another single bloom this time next year. The magic of flower bulbs can be enjoyed all year with other varieties. Some of my favorites, the grape hyacinth, allium, flags, and more will sprout later in the season. 
Bulbs possess a fascinating natural mechanism that allows them to plant themselves, essentially, at the optimal depth for their growth and survival. This unique ability is due to contractile roots, a special type of root system. As these roots grow, they contract and expand, effectively pulling the bulb down into the soil at a depth that is most suitable for the bulb's development. This ensures that the bulb is positioned well enough to benefit from the ideal balance of moisture, temperature, and protection it needs to thrive. Also, from protection against critters like squirrels. This self-planting mechanism highlights the incredible adaptability and self-sufficiency of bulbs, allowing them to flourish in various environments without the need for human intervention. Still, we must do our best to plant them at a depth appropriate for them approximately three times as deep as they are tall. Interestingly, Holland is well known for their tulip fields. It's the largest producer of bulbs in the world, and although they're not native to Holland, about 77% of the world's supply is from there. In our final segment, before we close, we're going to go over something exceptional. Super blooms. Now, if you're a native to California or some of the Southern U.S. states, you're going to be familiar. A superbloom is a rare, natural phenomenon characterized by an extensive and dense flowering of wildflowers, significantly surpassing the typical seasonal blooms. These extraordinary events occur in desert or arid ecosystems, having experienced drought, followed by periods of significant rainfall, typically in the fall and winter. This influx of moisture penetrates deep into the soil, reaching the seeds that have lain dormant, sometimes for years, and triggers widespread germination and flowering. The expanse of some superblooms can be so big that they can be seen by satellites in space. Superblooms are not limited to a single location or region. They can occur in various parts of the world wherever the conditions align. In the United States, California is perhaps the most famous for these phenomena, with places like Anza Borrego Desert State Park and the Antelope Valley California Poppy Reserve and Death Valley National Park experiencing vast, colorful carpets of wildflowers. However, similar spectacular displays can also be found in New Mexico and Arizona, where the desert floors and freeway sides burst into life with purple, orange, fuchsia, yellow, pink flowers. The timing and duration of these blooms can vary significantly depending on the location and weather conditions. While some areas may enjoy the colorful spectacle for a few weeks, others might witness these blooms for a shorter period, depending on local climate variables and specific timing of rainfall. Don't blink, or you might miss it. Super blooms do more than offer visual delight, they also provide critical nourishment and habitat for pollinators and other wildlife, contributing to the biodiversity and ecological health of the area. So it's important to remember that when we get out there to stay on designated paths and refrain from picking flowers and minimize our disturbance to the area in general. As the sun sets on this episode of Wonders of the Year podcast, we close this week's journey through the evolving landscape of nature. As we part ways, remember that the story of nature continues to unfold around you. Take a moment, step outside, breathe fresh air, observe, and cherish these changes. They are, after all, the heartbeat of our planet. 
It's my hope that today's episode has kindled a spark of inspiration within you, and in the coming week, you will see the world unfold with ease. Thank you for joining us on the Wonders of the Year podcast. We'll be back next week to share more stories and to continue our collective journey through the seasons of our environment.